Welcome, church. Thank you for joining in today as we come to worship our God, set our minds' attention, our hearts' affection on Him, and give Him praise and glory. And I'm so glad you're watching today. Also, I just want to say a big thank you to worship team. You guys have done an incredible job over these last 12 weeks. And, you know, Leo and David, Danielle, Joel, you guys just from Nolensville and Nashville and Franklin. And, you know, it was 12 weeks ago we went online and we didn't know. We had about three days to get ready. But, man, just the worship and pointing us to the Father. So thank you guys. Thank you so much. And all glory to God, you know. And Sunday is the day we come to set our hearts on the Lord and to give Him praise and glory. And whether we're in our physical campuses or whether we're here online, this is our time. This is our time to say, God, you are our worth. You are our value. You are the one that we want to come and focus our lives on and reorder our lives around your plans and your purposes. So I'm so glad that you're joining in. You know, this COVID time has, has been tough and it's been challenging. It's been hard and social distancing from people that we love. And, and now we're starting to open back up. And as things open back up, it it makes it even harder sometimes. It's kind of awkward. Now you're meeting people and you kind of don't know what to do, right? You go up and you're like, do I handshake? Do I back off? You know, do I fist bump, elbow? It's just these kind of awkward times. But, but you know this, right? With God, there's no being awkward. God loves you and God is drawing close to you in the, in the good times and in the tough times especially. God is with you and he is for you. And as God says in his word, you draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And so I pray today that you will draw near to God. I pray that through this COVID time that you have gotten closer and stronger in your faith and deeper in your love for him and in love with those around you because God is with you and God is for you. Guys, we've been in an incredible study, this study called We the Church. And we're looking at that early church and we're seeing how you are called to live as the body of Christ. And Jesus, after he, you know, uh, was crucified for our sins and was resurrected, he called his disciples together at the beginning of it, the book of Acts. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And he gave them this commission, go and live it out. And they did, right? Ten days later, they were gathered together, 120 believers. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. It was Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Jesus was resurrected. And today is Pentecost Sunday. And so 2,000 years ago, man, the church just came alive as the Holy Spirit moved in a mighty way and indwelled all believers. And I believe the church is alive today. And God is at work. God is moving, I believe, in a powerful way. And I'm so thankful that we get to be a part of that together. Well, you know, as the early church started to grow, they would gather on Sundays, right? The day that Jesus was resurrected, the Jews would come to the temple on Saturday on Shabbat. And then here come the Christians on Sunday and have worship together. Then they would meet in people's homes, right? They met in community groups. They broke bread together. They shared life together, you know, and they had this incredible time. And the church was growing, 120 believers, and then 3,000, then 5,000 men. And we saw last week in Acts chapter 6 as the church got organized to do greater ministry and taking care of widows and the daily distribution of food. And they called out these seven men full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. And there was a guy, Stephen. And Stephen, I believe this young man, right, probably in his 20s, early 30s, probably a community group leader, man, he just wanted to serve, probably worked with students. But, but this guy was so on fire for the Lord. And we ended last week in Acts chapter 6 as he was arrested. He was taken to stand before the religious leaders, the same people that Jesus stood before. 
And they asked him, they said, hey, are you blaspheming against Moses or against the temple? Because you can't help stop talking about Jesus. And I love Stephen, man. I just love it. It says his face was like the face of an angel. And he stood up and gave this bold witness. And we're going to see that unfold today. So if you have a Bible with you today, I invite you up with me to Acts chapter 7. Acts chapter 7. New Testament, right? You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels all talking about Jesus. As we saw Luke, who was the gospel of Luke, that's kind of volume one. And then Luke writes Acts, volume two, talking about the church and what happened as the Holy Spirit came. And so we're going to pick up here in Acts chapter seven. Now it's 60 verses in Acts chapter seven, so we don't have time to go through every single verse, but I want you to just hear some of the highlights as Stephen speaks and gives this testimony, this witness of Jesus. So look here at verse one. It says, then the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? So Stephen's standing before 70 men, the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, and he's been accused of blaspheming Moses in the temple and always talking about Jesus. And to this he replied, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Iran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to a land I will show you. So Stephen systematically starts going through the history of the Jewish people. And he starts with Abraham and he kind of tells the story there. And then he goes on, if you look at verse 9, and he says, because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt, but God was with him. And so he starts here and he says, Joseph, right? You know, the patriarchs were jealous of him. They rejected him at first, but God was with him. And we know the story. Joseph becomes the second in power in all of Egypt. And eventually his brothers come and they end up bowing down. Remember this, bowing down to Joseph. They rejected him at first and then they accepted him later. And that's what he's going to be talking about. Look at verse 20. He says, at that time, Moses was born and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. And this is Moses' upbringing, right? And Moses is educated by the Egyptians. And he goes on later on to write the first five books of the Bible because he knew how to write. He knew how to read. God was preparing him for something special. But Moses knew, hey, it wasn't just about him. Look over in verse 37. This is the Moses who told the Israelites, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your own people. And Stephen's going, Moses even knew there was one greater than him that would come, the Messiah. Everybody's been waiting for the Messiah. And Moses was preparing the people for that. But look again, they rejected Moses. Look at verse 39. But our ancestors refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They told Aaron, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who led us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. That was the time that they made an idol in the form of a calf. And they brought sacrifices to it and reveled in it. And their own hands had made. Hey, guys, listen. Listen, they rejected Moses. That's what Stephen's saying. They rejected him. Later on, they revered him, right? Rejected him, later on revered him. They realized what God was doing. But now he starts talking about the temple. Hey, we like things that our hands make. We like those kind of things. 
And now he starts to address that. Look at verse 48. Come down here, verse 48. However, the Most High does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all these things? He's going, hey, the temple's fine. But listen, that wasn't where God is going to stay. God had a bigger plan and a bigger purpose. We like to worship things that we can see. And Stephen here is showing, like I'm not blaspheming Moses. Moses was great, but guys, you rejected him, right? You rejected the patriarchs at first. I'm not blasting the temple, but listen, God's doing something bigger than the temple. And then this is where he kind of turns up the heat right here, okay? This is where he kind of goes in and he says in verse 51, you stiff-necked people. Woo, that's strong. <laughs> that's strong. Now those are the words Moses used, okay, before, like in Numbers 18, talking about the people. But, but I mean, this was strong. He says, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised, right? You may be circumcised physically, but man, you are not listening to God. You are not fully engaged with God. You are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. Righteous one capitalized, the Messiah, Jesus. That's who he's talking about. Hey, it's all about Jesus. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was given through angels but have not obeyed it. He's going, everything in the Old Testament was leading up to Jesus. And you're doing exactly what your ancestors did. You rejected him. But one day you're going to revere him, right? One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But you can imagine this didn't go over real well with them. Look at verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Notice that. Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Stoning him back in those days, this was a form of execution. They would take and they would throw somebody off a building or throw them off a cliff. Then they would throw stones at them. And so, man, they are, they are going after this guy, right? And it says, meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. We're going to come back to that. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this against them. Who does that sound like? Jesus. Jesus on the cross, right? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. And this compassion, this, this love, even in the midst of being stoned, and Stephen was praying for them, wanting them to know Jesus. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Uh, falling asleep was kind of that passing in the Bible, right? It's that metaphor for death, that passing from life to life, eternal life. And I think God just kind of laid him down. Stephen, it's going to be okay. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to welcome you into my kingdom. You guys, we all live, right? We don't know how long we live. We don't know how long Stephen, 20, maybe 30 years or so, but God used him in an incredible way. And will God use you? Will God use me? Whatever days I have on this earth, will God use us for his 
glory. Guys, God used Stephen to impact the world. And God wants to use you. Hey, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. You can go into the app and there's some notes section right there. But here's some things I want you to get today. All right, number one is this. Spiritual challenges will come. Guys, spiritual challenges will come. They will, won't they? Spiritual challenges will come. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus told his disciples. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Not you might, not it can happen. No, you will have trouble. We're going to go through difficult times. But take heart, exclamation point. I have overcome the world. Jesus said, I am greater. You're going to go through challenges. And many people, man, you've been going through some challenges. This has been hard. And maybe you've lost your job or maybe there's somebody who's had some health issues. Listen, God is with you. God hasn't left you. He is with you and he is for you. Hey, notice this. Being a Christ follower is countercultural. Being a Christ follower is countercultural, right? I mean, it is. The world has a system and the world is greed and lust. The world is get ahead at whatever cost. But following Christ is about love, about grace, about putting others first, about following Jesus. So that means when we are in this world, we're not of this world. But in this world, we're going to face some challenges. We will. Being a Christ follower is countercultural. Being a Christ follower does not mean that everything will be easy. I think a lot of times people think, right, when I follow Jesus, it's all going to be easy. And, and, and it's not. Right? Sometimes we think when bad things happen, maybe God forgot about me or maybe God's mad at me. He's not. He is with you in the hard times, just like he's with you in the good times. And he loves you. Don't miss that. Spiritual challenges make you stronger and persecution makes the church stronger. Do you know that there's persecution happening today in churches all over the world? Churches in Iran or churches in China, and yet the church is flourishing in those places because people need help and hope and people want to see, do these people really believe it? Do they really live it out? And you guys, during COVID, during this time of sheltering place, it's been a challenge. It's been hard. But I pray, I pray, I pray that you're drawing closer to God, that you're growing deeper in your faith. You're growing stronger in your love for him and in the people God's put around you. Allow the challenges that come to make you more the man or the woman that God created you to be. A man or woman that pursues him. All right, look at this, number two. Number two, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. Always be prepared. Look at this, this is what Peter writes. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. People are going to ask you, you know, people are going to ask you about your faith, right? People are going to ask you about, do you have hope? People are going to ask you, do you have peace? They're going to see that and they're going to ask you. Stephen was an ordinary guy that God used in an extraordinary way. Just like Peter and John, ordinary guys, right? But God used them and God wants to use you. A lot of times we disqualify ourselves. Don't disqualify yourself. God has put you in the family you're in. God's put you in the workplace you're in. God's put you in the neighborhood you're in, the apartment complex you're in for a reason and for a purpose. Man, allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. Love people in a way that will bring glory to God. This is our time. This is our time. Stephen was ready when people asked about his faith. Stephen was ready 
You know, he was taken, he stood before the Sanhedrin. I mean, here's Caiaphas. These are the same people that killed Jesus. And Stephen didn't back down. He didn't go, you know what? Hey, man, I, I don't really know Jesus. I, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know what you heard, but he didn't deny it. He didn't just kind of like try to sweep it away. He, he just said, you know what? I'm going to be bold for Christ. If I've got an opportunity, I'm going to be bold for Christ. And he did it. He did it. And I'm so proud of him, man. I just, I was just so proud of him. He lived it for the glory of God. You know, guys, I just want to ask you, are you ready? Are, are you ready? There's going to be a time, right? Your kids are going to say, hey, you know, why are we Christ followers? Hey, why do we go to church? There's going to be a time your, your kids are going to ask you, right? Your grandkids are going to ask you. There's, you're going to get questions. There's going to be people at work who are going to ask you, man, how have you held up during all this stuff? I mean, there's going to be people who are going to ask you, well, how's your faith doing? You know, do, do you believe that God is with you in all of this? And you and I, we have an opportunity there that we go, you know what, I don't know. And we can kind of like, you know, move around the, the question and not really answer it. Or we can step into it and just say, hey, listen, I got to tell you, Jesus Christ is with me and he's for me. I want to tell you what God has been doing in my life. I want to tell you that God is with me. I don't feel alone. And God can be with you. God can be with you. Hey, are you ready? Are you ready? Start praying. God, use me. And if you start praying that prayer, God will answer that prayer. God, use me. Use me in my family. God, use me in my neighborhood. God, use me. Are you ready? All right, number three, look at this one. Look at this one. Stay faithful. God, stay faithful. Stay faithful. You know, Hebrews chapter 11. This is called the Faith Hall of Fame, right? And it says, these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised since God had something better for us that only together with us would they be made perfect. Now these people that Stephen's talking about right here, all the guys Stephen references are in the faith hall of fame. Hebrews 11, you know, you got Abraham, you've got Joseph, you've got Moses, you've got David, you've got all these guys that he's referencing. You know, there is a faith hall of fame, right? Just like there's a football hall of fame, there's a baseball hall of fame, there's a country music hall of fame. There's a faith hall of fame. People who stayed faithful to God. And none of these people were perfect. I mean, all of them made mistakes. All of them had struggles. All of them had fears. But they all stayed faithful. <laughs> all the days of their life, they stayed faithful. Right? Stephen was faithful. All the way to the end. Man. All the way. He stayed faithful to God. And that's my prayer for all of us. God's doing something bigger in your life than you can see. God's doing something bigger in your life then you can see, don't quit. Don't walk away. Don't give up. Don't give in. You stay faithful because there's a miracle coming. I believe it. There's good things that are going to happen. There's great things that are going to happen. And so many people have walked away before that even happened. And you go, no, 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 no. You hold on to God. Know that he is with you. Know that he is for you. Our call is to be faithful. Our call is not to be perfect. Hey, we're called to be holy and pursuing God but we're going to make mistakes. We're going to mess up. But the thing we can do is stay faithful to God all the days of our life. And that's my prayer for all of us, for all of us. Check this out. Number four, grief can make you bitter or better. Grief can make you bitter or better. Look at this verse in 1 Thessalonians. We do not grieve as people who have no hope. There's times in life that are hard, right? And we grieve. We grieve, but we don't grieve as people who have no hope, right? We grieve knowing that this is not the only life there is. There is more 
to come. There is more to come. We grieve, but we have hope that God is faithful and that God is doing something bigger than we can see. And so we hold on to that hope. The church held on to that hope right there. I'm telling you, the church held on to that hope. The church mourned for Stephen, but it made them even stronger in their faith in Jesus. I want to tell you, the church, man, it takes off and starts to really grow at this point right here. As Stephen commits his life, I'm going to live for the glory of God. He becomes the first martyr for the faith. And the church mourns for him as you read in Acts chapter 8. But the church grows stronger in this time. Hey, COVID-19 has caused all of us to grieve. There is no doubt. It's caused all of us to grieve. And I think a lot of people, we're all walking around and we don't know why we're feeling the way we are, but we're all dealing with grief. We're all dealing with this because there's a lot of things that have been taken away from COVID-19, right? Our freedom, you know, we used to travel, we used to watch sports, we used to have all these things. And freedom, uh, seeing our loved ones. I mean, my mom's 89. It's been hard, you know, not being able to see her and we FaceTime, but it's hard. It's hard. Graduations have been a challenge you know, people's travel schedule. Maybe you're feeling this and you're like, I don't know why I'm just kind of feeling down and I, I feel this weight. And I think we're all grieving in the middle of this. And, and there are really five stages of grief. There's really five stages of grief. And some of us who've walked through this, we, we know these stages, but the first stage is denial. And, and denial. And I remember when my dad uh, went home to be with Jesus, you know, five years ago. And, and at first it was just kind of denial. It's like, oh, I can't believe this. I, and there were times, you know, I just wanted to pick up my phone and call him, and, and, and I couldn't. But it was, I was like in denial. And then, and then there comes the anger stage, right? You're just upset. And maybe you've been upset. Like, why have my summer plans gotten canceled? Why my graduation? Why? And this anger that you, maybe you felt. And then there's the bargaining, right? You're just like, oh, man, I'll put what I give for one more day with my dad, right? What would I give for one more time or one more memory or, or one more experience? And then the depression, the depression and and we feel this weight and we're down about it. And then comes acceptance. And we kind of go, all right, I gotta, I gotta move on. Right? I gotta move on, I've gotta accept this and move on with my life. Um, there's a guy, David Kessler, who wrote a book called Finding Meaning and, and he said there's really a sixth stage to grief. And this is what I want us to get, church. I want you to see this today, this sixth stage. And this sixth stage of grief is finding meaning. When we get to the point where we start to find meaning, and saying, okay, wait a minute, there's something bigger here. And, and I got to go forward, but I want there to be meaning as I go forward. And, you know, I'm so thankful for my dad and his life and his legacy and, and all that he taught me. And I'm just blessed. Do I miss him? Yes. And, and, I, and I pray in the middle of this COVID that we start to find some meaning. God, what have you been teaching us? What have you been teaching me as a follower of Christ? What have you been teaching me as, as a dad? or as a, what, God, what are you teaching me to be? How am I supposed to do Life, what meaning am I gaining from this? You, you know, as a church, I believe God's been teaching us so much and just finding that meaning. But it's also for us, but it's also what's happening around the world. I, I want you to hear today from Sarah and Alina. Sarah Rodriguez, who's our national director for Justice and Mercy Amazon in Brazil. And you know, as a church, we started Justice and Mercy International about 12 years ago. And we've been doing missions around the world through JMI, and, and Sarah is leading in such a powerful way in the Amazon. We have pastor's conferences there, but I want you to know that because God has put us there, that we have the opportunity to feed thousands of people. And I want you to hear a little bit of what God's doing in Brazil, which is really kind of the epicenter right now for COVID-19. 
and then in Moldova. And Alina Madaluk, who's our national director in Moldova for JMI, and all the orphan children that we work with, you sponsor many of them as a church family. We've stepped in to take care of this country and these orphans. And I want you to hear what's happening right now. Watch this. Hey, I know you guys have had to pivot because of uh, COVID. And, you know, we're here in the United States and we've been on shelter in place and social distancing here. But can you kind of tell us what's in the Amazon and Moldova, uh, kind of what's happened with COVID and the spread of this virus? And then how are we responding and through our ministry, through our missions uh, there in the Amazon and Moldova? Sarah, you want to talk to us about the Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. Um, here in Brazil, our region was one of the last ones to be impacted by it. But once it was, it was such a big hit just because of our uh, geographic um, aspects. You know, as we have about, six, we have 62 small towns in our state and they have their jungle towns, like there's nothing there truly, you know, very small. In Manaus, where we're based as GMI, we um, have a few hospitals, but um, as the numbers begin to grow, uh, we very quickly collapsed with our health system. So we had to start um, building a strategy to reach those who are hungry and sick and mm -hmm. had no um, access to such essential um, items in their um, conditions. And so. Uh, we began to ship out um, food and meds and hygiene um, items. The, um, right now, we uh, um, have assisted about 500 families so far, and we, uh, God has been opening doors for our generosity to get even further. I, I hear a lot here, Jeff, people mm -hmm. saying, Sarah, we have been praying for help. Yeah. We have been, been asking God for help. Mm -hmm. And when the phone rang, we knew it was Him bringing help to us. Jeff, as I as I say these things, my heart truly really aches because um, the fight uh, against COVID with the villages is unfair. Mm -hmm. They don't have information, and I'm sorry. <laughs> they don't have information. They don't understand germs. They don't understand the importance of masks. And so every food bag that we sent out uh, we have a letter from Jimmy saying, here's what you need to do. Here's what COVID um, is, and this is how you can prevent it. This is how you can um, fight against it. But also um, with the, the money that is coming in, we're buying New Testaments. And in every food bag, mm. there is a New Testament um, with a Bible verse that so they can find hope in that. Uh, the population in the jungle here is of 2 million um, and we, we plan on getting help to the most number that we can during this season. And God is truly blessing us and opening doors for that to happen. And I know that um, has a lot to do with the people that are here right now. So mm -hmm. a big thanks to you as an answer of so many prayers coming yeah. to the jungle in the Amazon. Wow. <laughs> Praise God, Sarah. I mean, it's only the Lord that's opening those doors, but I'm so thankful for you and, mm -hmm. and the team there and just the faithfulness and serving. Alina, tell us about Moldova, because you're the poorest country in Eastern Europe. Tell us about what COVID's happening there and then how are we doing ministry? Um, you know, since it's situated in Europe and the Moldovan language is so similar to Italian, a lot of Moldovans have been working in Italy. 
And you probably know that Italy was the most affected country in Europe and all those Moldovans started coming back from Italy. And so um, people were not really careful about keeping the distance, staying at home. It started spreading really quickly. You know, we helped. We helped with uh, delivering them food bags even during the times when it was very dangerous. And uh, we keep in touch with all our transitional living kids. Unfortunately, we can't keep them in the houses. Um, they all stay, most of them, the ones who have a place to go, they're staying with their families. We call them regularly, I would say daily. <laughs> we always make sure they have what they need and if they don't, we provide for them. Um, just like we provide for uh, those 700 sponsored children in Moldova. So I would say GMI was a big help for um, the neediest people in Moldova and their impact was tremendous. Wow. Praise God and just so thankful for what God's doing there in Moldova and what God's doing in the Amazon. You have all of us who love you all and are praying for you and you're not alone in this. God is using you in a mighty way and uh, we are all praying for you and cheering you on here from the United States. So thank you for what you do and just know that you're loved and appreciated, okay? Thank you guys. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. And you guys are the church. We're all together in this. <laughs> I'm so thankful, you guys, for Sarah, for Alina, for the work that's happening there. But I want to tell you, God's working here too. And, and we are seeing meaning even in the middle of COVID-19. We've seen more people accept Christ in these last three months online than we could have ever imagined. More people engaging in worship, more devices as people. There was a couple of weeks ago, people from 43 different states were watching and engaging in what was happening. Praise God, seven countries around the world. We're seeing generosity unleashed, people helping neighbors, people giving and benevolence happening. The church is being the church, not just talking about the church, not just coming and gathering together and then going back to our own lives. We're finding meaning that we are the church, the hands and feet of Christ and called to live it out. Guys, look at this last one, this last one. Number five, invest in the things of God and you will impact the world. Guys, invest in the things of God and you will impact the world. Notice this verse. It's Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of the killing of him. And on that day, notice this, the day that Stephen, Stephen was martyred for his faith. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea, Samaria. Guys, don't miss this today. Don't miss this. Saul eventually comes to know Jesus and becomes the Apostle Paul. You know that? The guy who's right here, who they're laying their coats at his feet. He becomes the Apostle Paul who takes the gospel around the world. I mean, unbelievable. Hey, look at this. Persecution against the church caused the gospel to spread throughout the world. Remember what Jesus said? But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witness since it's Jerusalem. Acts 1 through 7, and Judea and Samaria, and where did it spread? Acts 8, Judea and Samaria, Acts 9, and then to the ends of the earth. All on that day, God was doing something bigger. God was at work. God was moving in a mighty way. Guys, Stephen, Stephen lived it out. He lived it out, and God used Stephen to change the world. What a legacy. What a legacy. We don't know how much time we have on this earth, but we know this, that God wants to use us for whatever days we have for his glory. 
So here's a question, right? Here's a question. How is God using you? What will you learn and what meaning will you find from this time in your life? What will you learn and what meaning will you find from this time in your life? You know, I don't want us to go back to normal. You know, as stuff starts to open back up, I don't want us just to go back to normal and like things were and we're all busy and it's crazy. I want us to go back to a better normal. I want us to go back different. I want us to go back changed. I want us to go back transformed. You know, dads, if you've been at home more, be at home more, right? If you've been pouring into your marriage more, pour into your marriage more. If you've been praying with your kids at night, pray with your kids at night, right? Invest in the things that are gonna last and the things that are gonna matter. When everything else is stripped away and, and, and sports and travel and all these things which are fine, which are good, but listen, the things that are gonna last are God, his word, family, church, community. Let's go back better. Let's go back different and changed. You know what I love about this passage? I don't know if you caught this, but I love this. When Stephen, they were all gnashing their teeth at him and they're rushing at him. Do you see what he said? He said, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Guys, don't miss that. Because you know, throughout the New Testament, it talks about Jesus seated at the right hand of God, right? Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. But now Stephen looks up and there's Jesus standing. I think Jesus just stood up and went, good job, man. (laughs) Good job. And then welcome home. Come on in. Come on in. I mean, I just think he just got a standing ovation right there from Jesus. And I believe that Jesus has given you a standing ovation. He's saying, you matter to me. I love you so much that I'm going to go to the cross and pay the price for you. You are that valuable to me. We see the love of Christ right here. It's unbelievable. The love of Jesus for you. You know, Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he he brought his disciples together and, and he said, guys, this is my body broken for you broken for you. I want to invite you to share communion together. We're going to share together right here, but I want to invite you maybe to go into your kitchen and maybe you're with your family. Maybe you're with a community group. Maybe you're with your roommate or maybe you're alone, but would you go in and get some bread and, or maybe some crackers, whatever you have right now. And would you come and let's share communion together. I'm going to walk over here. I want to invite you guys, come on over. We've got We've got the bread and we've got the wine. We've got the body of Christ. We've got the blood of Christ. And I want to invite you guys just to to take one as well. And Jesus took this with his disciples, right? And he was saying, hey, I want you to see the price that I'm going to pay for you. This is so personal. So personal. He took the bread his body broken for you. And after you give it thanks, he broke it. He said, do this, eat this in remembrance of me. Let's share this together. Hmm. And then he took the cup. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. His blood poured out for us. Somebody died for you, literally gave their life for you. He said, take and drink in remembrance of me.
For when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. I don't know where you are today, but I know this, that there's a God who loves you, a God who sent his one and only son to die on a cross for you. And maybe today, man, you're just in a tough place. You're in a hard spot. But I want you to know God loves you. And God cares so much about you. Maybe right now where you are, you just want to say, I want to commit my life to Christ. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. Be the Lord of my life. Right there in the chat room, you can hit raise a hand. And you can commit your life to Christ. We've got people there who will pray with you, pray for you. Maybe today you just want to go, you know what? I don't want to go back to normal. Life was busy. Life was crazy. I want to go back better. Father, teach me. God, let me find meaning in all of this. Let me find meaning in what's been happening. God, I want to know you more. But maybe today you just want to say, God, I need you. I want to live my life for however many days I have on this earth. I want to live my life for you. You know, every man dies, right? Every one of us are going to die. But do we all live? Do we all live our lives for what really matters? Do we all live our lives in a way that will bring honor and glory to God and that will impact eternity? That's God's invitation for you and for me. I want to invite you to pray. Let's pray together and then our worship team is going to come. They're going to lead us in a time of response, a time of worship. So let's pray right now. Father God, thank you. Thank you that you are with us, that you are for us. Thank you that you love us, oh God. Thank you for sending your one and only son who died on a cross, paid the price for us. And God, I pray that you would give us hope, hope every single day. Father, I thank you for the example of Stephen who lived it all for your glory, who didn't back down or back away, but who stood up for you. And Jesus, you stood up for him. And so let us be men and women, God, as your church today, who stand boldly to say it is the grace of God. And I want to point other people to Jesus. And I want to share the love of Christ in my family, with my friends, my roommates, the people around me. God, use me for your glory. We love you, Jesus. And we dedicate our lives to you. In your name we pray. Amen.